Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to another recovery ramble edition of the Milestone Pursuit podcast. It is Saturday the 13th of February. I'm jogging around a freezing cold Epping Forest with the ice underfoot in places, not entirely. And today in the recovery ramble, we're just going to run really easy throughout the whole session. And we're going to talk about the value of human connections. Ooh, sounds a bit lofty. But before that, before I get into that, I just wanted to talk a bit about what I've been up to in the last few weeks. I'm conscious I've been a bit quiet on the podcast front since Christmas, so I thought it was worth just sharing a little bit about what's been going on. Thank you. And I say it's freezing. So it's minus three or minus four feels like minus 10 type weather. It's mad. But it's nice to have something different, isn't it? A bit of different stimulus in these weird times. And the upside of everything being so cold is that it's actually dry. So what have I been up to? So what's been going on since Christmas? Well, I've been occupied in my work with recording sessions for a number of groups I'm running an increasing number of of groups so that's all good working with my friends and colleagues Sean and Joel Sean of Let's Get Running and Joel Wiles doing some work together for some groups which is good Joel's doing the zoomy stuff Zoom uh, body weight circuits and exercises. Sean's doing some webinars and I'm doing some podcasting. So that's all good fun. I've also been managing the early milestones program, getting some new people going, getting some new targets, catch to 5k and up, which is all good. But the main thing that's been taking up my time in the last six weeks has been homeschooling. Mm. Homeschooling. It's fallen on me in this uh, lockdown. In the last lockdown, my wife wasn't working, was on furlough. This time, she's pretty full on, so it's good for, for us. That means I have to pick up the reins on the homeschooling. And you know, I've got a nine-year-old, 
and the seven-year-old both boys both have got attention level issues as you would expect a nine and a seven-year-old boy to have so I won't lie it's been hard work but I've prioritised and focused on morning focused on men- their mental health because last time they really suffered and you could see it you could really see depression frankly sitting in amongst small children so I was keen to avoid that this time so I've really focused on that side of things thinking about their education as a process rather than thinking about the outcomes and and it's been pretty good to be honest I can't really complain too much there's been moments of course but in the main they've been pretty compliant and willing to do the things they've been set out to do have a bit of fun along the way it's kind of been alright wouldn't want to do it for much longer though but it's actually got me thinking and the thing that's really got me thinking is this this week and last week the teachers were were saying uh, to my amusement they're going oh great come on everybody it's half term next week it is now half term it's half term next week chance for a break and I'm looking and thinking hmm yeah I can see that it might be a break for you but it's definitely not a break for us but that sounds a little critical and a little harsh because I think the teachers have done a fantastic job and I can totally understand why they would need a break right now and I think they've done a fantastic job of providing material they're keeping contact and supporting the children as best they possibly can in circumstances that are totally alien to them and that's the key point I think about it from a teacher's perspective and think if I was a teacher I'm pretty sure that the reason that I would want to be a teacher oh a bit of an icy patch here jogging down the hill towards Thaden Boys Golf Club it's really quite icy just take it steady yeah if I was a teacher I'm pretty sure that I'd I'd want to uh, the thing that I'd get value from is that exchange that you have with the with the children you know those moments where you connect those moments where an idea lands and the children start to flourish I'm sure that's where the value sits in that job sense of pride when you help someone with something and they they land it whatever that might be whether that's something based on the curriculum or whether it's a behavioural issue so I'm sure that's where they get their value and they mustn't be getting any of that and I'm sure they didn't sign up to a world where their job was about putting lessons online videoing themselves and getting no immediate interaction and feedback I'm sure that's not how teachers thought it would be and that of course has got me thinking about this idea 
<laughs> you're right, don't worry. Of the value of the human connection. And so, I did a little bit of internet searching and I came across a TED talk by a lady called Rita Pearson. And TED talks are great, aren't they? Typically American people doing what American people do so well. Which is to articulate themselves with real passion and conviction. And in it she's a teacher or an educator, as you'd call herself. And in it, I she talks about this idea that kids don't learn from teachers they don't like. Which is a way of expressing the importance of that human connection in the education process. And she talks about how it's all about the bond between the teacher and the children. And it's interesting because if you perhaps look back at your own childhood, your own schooling, you think about it and think about what you learned and who you learned from. Of course, you, you became educated. You learned how to read, how to write, how to do complicated mathematical equations. But my, my guess is you don't actually remember being taught any of those things specifically and you don't remember perhaps the teacher that taught you a specific thing that you learned in school. It's more about the teachers that made an impact upon you from a social perspective or perhaps a behavioural one. And I'm sure we all have a teacher or two that we remember fondly for the impact that they had on us. And I don't want to be all cliched and I don't want to be a, a, an advert for becoming a teacher, but I'm sure you know, that's where a lot of our value came from in the education process, was those bonds with some teachers. Uh, who created something special in us at a certain period of time that we look back on with fondness. There are also, of course, some teachers with whom we look back with, look back on in the opposite way. We might have learned from them too, but in a different way. Now, I've spoken before about the impact that one of my PE teachers has had on me throughout my adult life. Thank you. My old PE teacher, Mr. Philpot, had a profound effect on me and who I am today. It's probably one of the reasons why I do what I do.
jogging across the snowy Bell Common cricket field covered in snow always always fun I'm just heading up to the Cocktail Estate in the north of the forest And it's then, once you piece that together, and the impact that teacher had on me was, you know, obviously there's some things you learned. I learned about the way to conduct yourself through sport, and he was he majored on that. And some of the psychology of sport. But also, he backed me, and I was uh, a relatively shy, introverted, still am introverted, we'll talk about that a bit more in a little while, and so I was a relatively shy, introverted individual, and often found myself playing in teams where I was the youngest, and I kind of struggled with fitting in with the group but it was never it was always recognised but never spoken about never never ignored but nor was it pandered to I suppose is the best word I can think of it was very much yeah we get the, get the issue but you can get on with it you can deal with it because your capability is strong enough and I'll never forget those messages. Really powerful. So it had a profound impact. And then when you think about it, you think, okay, so the value of a teacher to a child that's different from a parent, and it's quite significantly different, lies in a number of areas. It's about confidence. So teachers being confident, they're knowledgeable, they present information with conviction which helps the messages land because they know their source material in a way that parents perhaps don't patience they are incredibly patient in a way that parents can never be with their own children or rarely can be it's a proper test of patience is homeschooling and even the most patient of us and I like to include myself as being a patient individual struggle with that but they also learn and they convey the values of humour which you just can't do in a digitised way which I think is really important and of course they build confidence through praise which again is so much harder to do in a digital environment. The written word says way less than the spoken one, particularly when it comes to praise. 
So that's what teachers bring and that's what teachers have not been able to do. And I imagine that many teachers are incredibly frustrated with the 12 months that they've had. Particularly newer teachers, I would have thought. It's not about holding Zoom calls, marking work. It's about way more than that. So hats off to the teachers. Done a fantastic job in very tough circumstances. Enjoy your half-term break. You deserve it. Who knows what will happen after the half-term break. But the value of the human connection that I speak about there and those ways that teachers can connect with their children and of course empathy and sympathy are big parts of that as well. There's also application for, for all of that in business. So, just yesterday, I spent a, a full day coaching people in business and talking to them about where they stand, where they want their careers to go, how they feel about the world and their place within it at the moment. And none of this will be rocket science by any stretch of the imagination because I'm sure that many of you are living this yourselves but there's some really interesting things that we discussed and these are trends these are not individual situations but there are two particular types that I thought were very interesting so firstly an introvert how they cope through home working for 12 months well on the face of it sorry that's, the first one is the introvert the second one is a recent graduate so we'll talk about both of those in a sec but the introvert on the face of it should feel happy and does you know it's quite comfortable in their own company doesn't necessarily need energy from other people stimulus from other people so on the face of it the introvert does okay but the reality is that the introvert buries themselves into a bit of a hole because they don't feel the need to reach out to people they don't and, and they kind of feed their own introversion and it becomes incredibly hard for them to reach out eventually when they feel they actually need to and people assume that they don't need support or kindness because they're usually okay and they might be but they might also not be and I'll come back to the introvert the graduate what a weird position totally new to the job, totally new to the sector, been doing it a few months, has never met anyone of their team, never met their colleague, never sat in the office, never had the induction, so it doesn't understand the context, just has a series of tasks to do, 
gets them done, finds them a bit mundane, wonders what it's all about. What a way to start your working life. And I suppose with both those individuals, or both those types of individuals, to a nasty headwind. And I suppose the key thing here is actually about the moments that go on in between the work. And I say the same thing about children. The key thing isn't the work, getting the work done. The key thing is the interactions that go on. For a child that is you know, in between each sum that they're working through is to chat with the person sitting next to them. It's asking them questions about how to do things, learning from one another. And the same is true in business. It's the interactions in between activity that is lacking. Pretty universally the approach to work has been about survival. It's been about getting through each Zoom call and moving on. Nobody wants to spend, understandably so, nobody wants to spend any more time on Zoom or on the phone than they need to or than they want to. So they get through stuff and move on. And then what's lacking is those little bits of interaction that happened before and after meetings. You know that, how did that go, did you think, type conversation? Did I make that point well enough? Do you think they understood this? That kind of informal conversation that informs so much about what happens next. And the same is true about the prep and the small talk that me as an introvert I used to hate but actually it's a really important way of reading the mood of the room and I don't know how you do that in a zoom world not quite as effectively at least and then the other thing that is lacking in a home working world it's that sense of connection with everything else that's going on. So you're living your own world, you've got your own work, your own tasks, your own stresses. But in an office environment, that can be placed in the context of other people's. You can see what everyone else is up to. But in a home working world, you just go and get that at all. Think about that graduate, he's got no idea what's going on in the rest of the organisation. Not a clue got no context at all and whether that's the missing chat down the pub walk to lunch or literally just seeing the behavior of the people in the office around you you're just not getting it and nor are children when they're finding things hard they've got no context is everyone else finding it hard if the teacher didn't explain something particularly well 
then did everyone else struggle with that or was it just because I wasn't listening and then where that leads and what I think we're seeing is I just crossed the M25 on the footbridge past Copt Hall I think we're seeing a reduction in a sense of belonging Ooh, really icy there I think people are increasingly feeling lonely that they don't belong to either the organisation the school the club people are feeling isolated and lonely and in a business context of course that has a, an impact on mental health depression and anxiety and natural bedfellows for loneliness but it also has a profound effect upon productivity it impacts upon the commitment an individual has to an organisation when they're isolated and can't see the context it stops their learning it stops their development because they're not seeing what else is going on what other opportunities might be about what other people are doing that they might want to be doing themselves and it reduces the energy in the room we'll all have worked with people who provide energy in our down moments who help us through and when we're feeling lonely that can be really hard and if we're feeling lonely in a workplace we can have a chat with somebody but in a zoom world that's much harder to do so energy ability to learn and the commitment to the organisation and its aims are significantly hampered by loneliness the sense that you don't belong And then of course I move on to thinking about running and the value of the human connection in running and I think about it in lots of ways but I think it's really interesting that we think of running as a solo sport I've always thought this we do many many hours of running on our own and in lots of ways it's great, it's time on our own it's therapy but running is a fantastically communal sport an anti-tribal sport because you're not competing directly against other individuals apart from in a very very few number of cases it's normally about being the best that you can be for most of us at least and so it creates a community feel to it and you think about all the races you might have done from marathon you know, your finishing line experience is shared with the person who finishes nearest you and it's a moment 
of connection that you have is unparalleled really Ooh, really nicely here and I think back to my comrades experience the great South African ultramarathon running with my friends for significant periods of time about five hours in the case of my friend Paul Gamester and the bond that is created by that that shared experience and with Neil and Simeon and Duncan as well those things can't ever be taken away once you've had them and when you look back and I'll look at my performance in Comrades with great pride but I also look back at the experience I had with my comrades and the connections that created that hopefully will last for a long, long time. But even Parkrun, you know, the connections that are created by Parkrun in two senses. One is that finishing line experience. You've all been through the same thing, whether you come first or 300th. You've all run the same course in the same conditions finishing broadly in the same time and there's a great sense of camaraderie that exists at 9.30 on a Saturday morning when that race is complete and it's about the human connection and then of course once you become a regular as so many people do there's connections that grow over time that are incredibly valuable And that's what running does. And in the pandemic, we've missed all of that. Now I've had to resort to a podcast to connect with people. And the interesting thing about the podcast is the way that it impacted upon people in the very first instance. And when I first set out recording training sessions, it was really what I felt was a stopgap exercise in providing people with a bit of structured training and support to keep them active during the first phase of lockdown. And then two surprising things happened. The feedback I received about how it made people feel as if they were running with somebody else. I wasn't expecting that at all. In hindsight, it was probably fairly obvious. But I wasn't expecting that and nor was I expecting to be getting benefit out of it myself. It's helped keep my training honest but it's also helped me feel like I'm connecting. When I speak as I run I feel like I'm speaking to somebody. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, I'm going to taken out by a bike. So I feel like it gives me a sense of connection. It's made a crazy impact, really. And then I developed the Early Milestones Programme to try and help people and support people as they're developing their running, which has worked reasonably well. Of course, 
super icy along here. Morning. Wrapped up well. And then what's come out of the early milestones program is the group of alumni is one way, one word of describing graduates is another. The people who've been through the program who wanted to continue to be supported, not by me necessarily, and by the podcast, but by each other. So we've got a growing group of individuals from all over the country and in fact the world, with Dawn in Canada, who chat with each other on a regular basis over WhatsApp over the runs. I record a couple of sessions for them most weeks. And none of them have ever met. And I've never met any of them. Hopefully we'll put that to right one day. But it's a fantastic example of the importance of that human connection and what running can provide because they talk to each other about running and we talk to each other about running. But we also talk about all sorts of other stuff. Just like you would if you were out on a run with somebody. And so running can provide that connection in a way that you might not imagine. And I suppose this leads me on to friendship and thinking about you know, the things that we do to build friendships or the way that friendships are built. And in my mind they're built upon three key pillars which have actually been hard just like everything has been hard through the pandemic. Just crossing the main road. And those three pillars, and again, none of this is rocket science, are about common interests. So sharing something like running a foot race. They're common values. And they're also common experiences. And it's that last one that I think makes it particularly hard because we are so detached from one another that it's very hard to establish what those experiences are. And the one thing that we know about the pandemic is that it's affected everybody, mainly in the negative, but I'm sure over time there'll be some positives if indeed there aren't any already, but mainly in the negative, yet so differently for every individual. So whilst we're sharing the experience of the pandemic together, our actual lived experience is very, very different. And this is a point I've attempted to emphasise among many of the people I coach which is, there's always this temptation to say, yeah, you know, I'm suffering from this, I don't like that, finding this really hard, but I shouldn't complain really because there's loads of others who are worse off. And of course that's true for anyone. But it doesn't invalidate the way that you feel because it's your world and your experiences. 
and I strongly believe you'll actually only be able to get through that if you acknowledge those feelings. There's photo bombing a group of cyclists having their photo taken. I suppose where all this leads into more thinking, and this is definitely a subject for another day. But when I'm thinking about the pandemic at a macro level, I'm thinking that when we come out, if indeed coming out is the appropriate word, or as we adapt to a new post-Covid life, I think it would have accelerated a whole bunch of things that would have happened anyway, but would have taken perhaps longer. So I would include within that the gap, the widening gap in our society between those that have and those that don't. And going back to homeschool, you know, the kids that have done okay are the ones access to a computer each or a screen each. The ones who have suffered will be the ones who don't have that level of access for whatever reason. That's just one example of what I mean. But another example, more pertinent to this idea of the human connection, is that I can see that this period of our lives has increased the pace of the digitalization of our world. When I worked in media, I used to say that there were two worlds going on. There was one world that was real, that where we existed as humans and we were doing what humans have always done. And there's another world that is existing inside your handset. And those two worlds sometimes collide, they sometimes jar. And an example of that difference is the way that people interact with one another in social media versus the way they interact with one another in real life. And I think the pandemic has increased the pace of it. I think we are, and I'm as guilty of this as the next person, of relying upon Messenger, relying upon Zoom calls, spending more and more of our time inside a screen rather than outside of it, in the real world, living the real world. Now I think of it, and I look at my handset sometimes, and again, I'm as guilty as anyone, but I look at my handset and think, my God, there's so much of my world is wrapped up inside this device. And the important thing is not that the world is getting wrapped up in that device, because there's lots of good things about that. The speed, efficiency, ability to, to actually make connections with people that might prevent loneliness. But there's more to life than that. There's more to us as humans. And so as I come towards the end of this, and I think, okay, so I've said a lot about the importance of those human connections in lots of contexts. I've talked about it in the context of school, 
for the children. I've talked about it in the context of work and business. I've also talked about it in the context of running. But what do we do? Because the train has left the station. We can't turn back time. So what do we do? Well, I think that it's important to recognise the value of these connections in a way that we've always taken them for granted. And I think that when our reintegration starts again, you know, in principle we live in a world where we've had to keep two metres apart from anyone other than our family. Getting back to what the world look like, looks like afterwards, I think is going to be really hard. Shake hands, hug, kiss, I don't know, what do we do? Have you been vaccinated? Do you have a label on you? How's it going to work? But I would encourage everyone, but I would think that patience is required as we re-establish those norms. But also, invest some time in thinking about your human connections. And I think it's fine to use online mechanics to communicate. But I think it's really important we think about the depth that sits behind a lot of that communication. And think about how you might get the best out of yourself and other people through the value of that human connection that we've lost, that we've forgotten about, that the pandemic has exploited and that was happening anyway and that the pandemic has accelerated. Is the human race is designed to be social, it is designed to work together and so those human connections are actually what it is all about. Blimey, where did that all come from? A Saturday morning icy recovery ramble around Epping Forest. I'm going to go back now and try and connect with my family because that's been hard. We're still saying no, we're still talking to one another and as people say to me and perhaps as I say to them, you'll look back one day and really value the time that you had together as a family. And that may well be true, but whilst you're in it, it doesn't make it easy. So, think about those connections as you go about your weekends. Thanks for joining me as ever. And I'll be back again soon with some more ramblings. Take care. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.